KDAL's Master Gardener, Bob Olin. Well, it's Tuesday. That means, of course, it is time for the Bob Olin Show. And uh, here we are celebrating uh, the end of summer with summer-like temperatures over the uh, last couple of days. That'll change tomorrow as we get down into the 60s and head into fall. But uh, Bob joins us now, and I guess we're on the tail end of the gardening season, right, Bob? Well, we are, and uh, it's been quite an interesting year, I'll say that. I guess they all are. (laughs) That's the great thing about the weather up here. It's always a subject of conversation. But you're absolutely right. Uh, summer is winding down. Did it seem like it went by pretty quickly? Yeah, they always do. <laughs> they always do, yes. Now, you know, we've got this big period called fall. And that's between uh, winter and uh, summer. Mm-hmm. They had a gun of course, from September 22nd. Thursday, I guess, first day of fall. Right, Dave, I believe? Uh, I think you're right. Yeah, it should be in that neighborhood anyway. Yeah, it's always on the 22nd, 23rd. And um, I believe it's Thursday evening this year on the 22nd. And then, of course, we have fall up until December uh, 21st. So all those parts of December won't feel fall-like. So you got to get out and enjoy the weather. You're absolutely right. <laughs> yeah, we have, uh, well, upper 70s again today, well above normal. And we had a lot of rain over the weekend, too, so I guess the growing is still pretty good at this point. Oh, it is, and that's the thing that's remarkable. I get this question from people, when should I harvest? And uh, let's take a look at um, tomato plants, tomato plants, uh, potatoes, uh, squash, as long as you've got a good, vital green plant, uh, they're still uh, dropping in sugars. The sugar content is building. It's just when that plant begins to die or die back that you really want to want to harvest things. I've noticed that uh, leaving them in the field too long uh, is not a good idea. Pumpkins is an example. I try to get them as soon as the colors are uh, there, and we've got those nice, vibrant uh, orange uh, colors to try to get them out of the field uh, and protect it. If you let them sit out in the rain and the sun, uh, then uh, you know they tend to diminish in quality. Uh, potatoes, you got a large crop, you got to think a little bit about that. If you got good drainage, they can stay in the ground as long as we don't have frost penetrate. Doesn't look like there's much frost in the forecast, is there, Dave? Uh, not around here. Maybe further north, it looks like we could see some frost Thursday morning. As uh, highs will be in the upper 30s here, but uh, you never know. Up north, it could be. Uh, Low 30s, even some upper 20s. Yeah, sure could. I know we get uh, we got a lot of listers up on the range mm-hmm. in the Hibbing area, and that could be cold. They're always just a little colder than we are. Well, you know, we we got off to a, a slow start. It's kind of interesting. I've pulled together some of the weather statistics, and uh, this probably won't surprise you, Dave. Uh, May was a was a cold month. Mm-hmm. The average temperature was not a lot, but about a degree below average, and then we had a little more precipitation than average in the month of May. So, uh, you know, it's snow there in early May, and I think a lot of people may have got a little discouraged. A lot of crops uh, got in the ground just a little bit later, just you couldn't get in or you didn't want to go too early with cool soil temperatures. You know, you always run the risk, particularly if you're planting seed, uh, particularly seed that isn't protected with any kind of a fungicide. You go in too early into very cold soils, particularly warm season crops, your corn, your beans, your um, uh, certainly... Uh, squash and pumpkins, any of those warm season crops, we just don't dare go in until we get soil temperatures warm up some. So that whole planting process got delayed just a little bit in the month of May. So we started out very cool, and people will remember that because of the the snow we had there in early May. Then it's kind of interesting, the rest of the summer was, uh, was really very pleasant. It was just about average in so many different ways. When we look at the month of June, we were about a degree above average. Daytime temperature, four-tenths above in the evening temperatures, and both day and evening temperatures are really critical. And then we were just a little light on precipitation in June, which is uh, 
a little unusual. Typically, in June, we have a lot of precipitation, but we may have gotten that in May, but not too bad. The month of July was down a little bit in terms of precipitation as well, but not to a great degree. Uh, July was a little cooler than average, and August was a little cooler than average. So it, it's pretty interesting. Overall, if we take a look at our growing season and what we call our meteorological summer, this is June, July, and August, uh, it was a little cooler during the average uh, daytime temperature, down about two-tenths of a degree on average. The evening temperatures were up just a little bit, and the average temperature was up just a little bit, two-tenths of a degree, if we averaged both daytime and nighttime temperatures, and precipitation was down just a little bit overall. So uh, I think on the precipitation side, we're gonna, we made up for some of that deficit last weekend uh, when it rained pretty intensely there in most areas. And I think when we get done with this year, Dave, for all the excitement up and down, uh, a lot of rain, a lot of sun, it's going to turn out to be really a very average kind of year, which for us makes for a pretty good growing season, Dave. Absolutely. Hey, let's head to the phones already. Bob, hi, who's this? Uh, This is Crystal. Hi, Crystal. Go ahead. Uh, Good morning. I put in three Nankin cherry bushes this spring. And I'm wondering if I need to do anything special to get them through their first winter. And also, will I get cherries next year, or do I have to pull off the blossoms? Ah, all good questions. Um, Nanking, first, very hardy cherry. And as you could tell from the name, it was actually, I believe, originated in China, uh, northern China. Very, very cool uh, climate there. And it's very one of our cherries that's dependably hardy in this area. So you're going to be fine with that. In terms of fall care, uh, you know, I think um, there isn't really much you really need to do. They don't need, really need to be protected. I think uh, next spring uh, you'll probably want to uh, get some fertility down there just as the buds are beginning to break. So you can use you can use a synthetic fertilizer, something like a lawn fertilizer, as long as there isn't any herbicide uh, mixed in with it, or you can use some kind of an organic fertilizer, uh, com- decomposed. Uh, chicken manure and other things like that. And uh, I think I'd make sure I'd get that on in the early spring. As far as pulling the blossoms, uh, you really don't need to. And you might get some bloom that first year. They're they're quite dependable. And I think that's kind of an overlooked uh, shrub for us. And uh, fruits well, good and hardy. And I think you're going to be pleased with it. Uh, the fruit makes great uh, jellies for sure. And uh, it's also when it sweetens up quite edible. So I think you're going to be very pleased, very minimal care, the only thing I would caution, of course, would be deer protection because the deer will munch them back. So you want to get some kind of fencing around it. And uh, this time of year, um, the digestive system of white-tailed deer begins to change and their their appetite for different trees and shrubs changes and they'll move from vegetative material to woody material. So uh, you want to just, uh, that'd be my only thought, that let's get that protected. Um, I don't know that you need to protect uh, the base stem. It wouldn't hurt to have some hardware cloth, a ring of hardware cloth around that as well. But they are pretty hardy and and durable. I think deer are going to be your biggest issue with that one. Okay. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Good question. Good. uh, There's a good fruiting uh, variety. You know, we're looking at some of those things. We're looking at uh, you know, people would like to grow the Bing cherries if they could in this area, and those are much more temperate, so that's why we've got cherry production over in Michigan where it's quite a bit warmer and got the the impact of uh, Lake Michigan as well for the big cherries. We do have some other cherries that uh, do reasonably well in this in this area that are hardy, but certainly the Nanking, a little smaller cherry, but uh, and the shrub, 
But nonetheless, a very good uh, choice for the landscape. All right, let's take our first break, Bob. 924, it's the Bob Olin Show here on KDAA. And we're back. More of the Bob Olin Show here on a Tuesday. Bob uh, got my lawn mowed probably for the last time yesterday. Well, I don't know if I'd count on that, Dave. <laughs> I'm hoping. Uh, we'll put it that You're way. You're hoping at yeah. least. Yes, yes. Um, real good question, though. Uh, a lot of people will let them go a little too long. We want to just maintain regular mowing height on the lawn. With the moisture we've had and uh, these these warmer temperatures, uh, we should get a real growth spurt here over the last uh, couple of days. But uh, also, you know, the bluegrass lawns will continue to grow. These uh, 50s and 60s we get coming with good sunlight, uh, they continue to grow. Uh, a lot of our common Kentucky bluegrass uh, varieties uh, typically love this kind of weather. Watch the quality of the turf. You're going to see a lot of real lush green landscapes now because... Uh, grass uh, typically our perennial grasses take off and really love to grow in the fall so it's a good idea dave uh, if people want to get a little fertility down uh, you can get that down in the in this time of year is an ideal time if you're controlling broadleaf weeds this would be the ideal time to do it if you were only going to make one application of either an herbicide of one type or a a fertilizer of one type this would be it because actually the grass is pushing out additional plant material i'm not just elongating the blade so in the spring of the year we just get a real push we get an awful lot of blade growth and consequently we're going to do a lot more mowing if you add fertility but this time of year with the moisture we've had we're going to kick out what we call the rhizomes the underground stems and each one of these stems has a a bud on it a a node that'll kick up new plants and those new uh, plants will you'll see and they'll be manifested next spring so you have a Mm -hmm. thicker denser lawn and you won't have to do any more cutting, Dave. That sounds good. Now, what you don't want to do, though, is you want to either scalp it or you, uh, you don't want to let them go too long. If you mm-hmm. if you quit mowing, uh, then that grass tends to fold back on top of itself, the longer grass, and then uh, we get moisture that's trapped, and we can get some fungal disease, and that can be the scourge of a Northland lawn. We get a lot of that fungal disease in there and can be a real problem and hard to, hard to cure. So keep mowing, and... Uh, either collect this time of year i like to collect the clippings they're lush and the green they go in the compost pile mixed with the brown leaves and we get a nice mix of both nitrogen as well as uh the carbon that comes from the the brown leaves uh so i like the only time of year i collect uh grass clippings because i like the that green chlorophyll that's in those green blades i like to mix that in naturally with the uh the, the dried leaves and that makes a real good combination other than that you just let it go and uh they they tend to uh, deteriorate quickly and actually by leaving your lawn clippings on the lawn you can you get about the equivalent of one application of nitrogen uh one pound per thousand square feet typical application and that's what you get just by naturally uh taking the clippings and leaving them lie on the lawn as long as that blade isn't too long and we don't get anything that mats so your choice this time of year but if you are composting, it's a good source of nitrogen, and typically our compost piles, if we're using a lot of leafy material, a lot of pine needles are going to be deficient in nitrogen, so we've got to get it from some source so the bacteria can grow, and uh, one of the good organic sources would certainly be our green grass clippings. Speaking of brown leaves, uh, what's the outlook for uh, fall colors, I guess, this year? Well, you know, I'm pretty optimistic. Yeah. I really think that... Uh, you know, all these colors, and I actually shot a few leaf colors uh, for our program on great gardening. We're going to do this Thursday night, but we're beginning to see some great color emerge. And uh, these 
pigments we talk about. Let's use maple as an example. Uh, you've got uh, a green leaf, and that's the chlorophyll, and this is that magic compound that, of course, in the presence of sunlight, converts uh, carbon dioxide into sugar as well as oxygen, so it's essential to all life. And uh, But that's uh, a little bit more fragile compound than some of the underlying pigments. The underlying pigments, the anthocyanins, the carotenoids, uh, these are the orange and the yellow and the red colors, the anthocyanins there. And uh, these pigments are forming and they're masked by the green uh, chlorophyll pigments on the outside. As the chlorophyll breaks down, then the color gets expressed. But what we really need is a lot of sunlight and adequate moisture, and, and actually that's what we've had this year. Mm-hmm. So I really think that we're going to have a very brilliant fall color just based on, on the summer uh, conditions that we had. Whether it's early or whether it's late, uh, I don't know. I'd be willing to bet we're going to peak color just about on average since everything else has been average, and yeah. that's typically the last few days in September. For first few days in October tends to be the peak. Now, that being said, everything is just a little delayed, you know. Mm -hmm. It's like we shifted the entire growing season. We started very cool with snow in May, and now we're getting warmer temperatures. As a matter of fact, the first couple of weeks in September were above average. Obviously, up until through today, we had above average temperatures. You mentioned that. It's quite a bit above average today, is it not, Dave? Yeah, average uh, high is uh, 66, and we'll be in the upper 70s again today. Yeah. So we really have uh, we have a warm fall so far, which is good. It kind of makes up for the uh, the late start. So we're still able to ripen tomatoes and melons and other things, and uh, everything tends to be shifting. You know, our average frost date mm-hmm. at the airport in Duluth is September twenty first, which is tomorrow. That's average. <laughs> and down along the lake, it's October second. So I think we're going to sneak by if we don't get clipped on Thursday. I guess is when the frost warnings up north. So once again, uh, and I don't believe in the long-range forecast, we've got frost for another three weeks or so. So we're again, we look like we're setting ourselves up for a warm and extended fall, and it should be a beautiful season, whether you're, you're leaf-looking or whether you're ripening your uh, your winter squash. It, it's all good, Dave. All right, we'll take another break, Bob. It is 9.33, the Bob Olin Show here on KDAL. And we're back. More of the Bob Olin Show here on KDAL. Again, the number to call is 722-0839 if you've got a question for Bob. Uh, Bob, you got uh, fall coming up here later this week officially. When do we start putting the uh, bulbs in for spring blooming? Oh, boy, that's a good question, Dave. Uh, you know, we're going to delay a little bit on mm-hmm. the bulbs, our spring flowering bulbs, the garlic. We typically look at about uh, mid uh, mid to late October, and this year... You know, it's kind of interesting. We had a very warm fall last year, very similar to what we're encountering this year. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think you probably want to follow the calendar. I, I delayed just a little bit on planting some bulbs, and I, I think I paid a little price in the spring. They were just fine, and you can plant the bulbs actually well up until we get frost in the ground. Mm-hmm. But we don't want to go in too early. The reason we don't want to go too early is... Uh, we really don't want that growing spout to get up out of the ground where uh, it can it can freeze off. So we want the roots to get established. You can break that growing spout, but we really want it protected down in the ground. So you don't want to plant in September. You want to wait until about mid-October. And it gives me the opportunity. I can just mention the St. Louis County Master Gardeners have a great fall plant sale. I think the only fall plant sale out there, this is... Uh, 
This is uh, they're going to feature bulbs, and that'll be on October eighth. Now, the people will give you some more details on that, but I know they've got a tremendous uh, collection of bulbs that are coming in, and that timing will be just about perfect. You can pick up your bulbs on the eighth of October, and then about the next weekend or the next two weekends, you can get them in the ground. And the one thing you can be doing right now, Dave, is you can be getting all the perennial grasses out, so you can be pre- uh, preparing an area where those bulbs are going to go. So. Next year's uh, beautiful floral display is going to be, be dependent on what we do right now. And uh, edible bulbs like garlic as well. Yep, they had just a little bit. And some of these, uh, once we get them in the ground, uh, it's always a good idea to get a little straw protection on top of them as well. Just to, just in the event we get an open winter. If we don't have any snow cover for protection, particularly early in the season, we get deep ball penetration of frost, we can get in trouble. So I think couple good bales of clean straw, some good quality, fresh new bulbs, and uh, I think that's a great type of mid-October activity, Dave. Maybe some protection from the critters, too. I know my uh, bulbs are loving by the skunks, I think, and, and squirrels and what have you. Oh, boy, am I glad you mentioned that. Absolutely. And once again, uh, dragging a little hardware cloth over the top, <laughs> a little screening that has to come off in the spring, but yeah. nonetheless... Uh, they do like to feed on them, and I, you know, I think, I think they're watching you because I've had that experience <laughs> where I didn't protect them, and uh, they say, "Well, don't, don't, don't plant them too deep now; it just right. makes it a little harder for me to dig them out." Right? <laughs> <laughs> Amazing how they can find those things—that's for sure. All right, yeah, we'll take sure. another break here, Bob. It is nine forty. The Bob Olin Show on KDAL. It is the Bob Olin Show here on a Tuesday. We got another call, Bob. Hi, who's this? This is John from Carlton. Okay, what's uh, what's your question this morning? I got a couple of things. It has to do with the people stuff that has comes in the spring. Can you put wood ashes on rhubarb? Is that a good thing? And I also want to know what is the best way to put food on a spare this time. Okay, you had good quick couple of questions there. Uh, one on rhubarb and wood ash, and the other I didn't quite pick up on asparagus. You get that, Dave? I uh, know. What was the asparagus question again? Well, I want to know what to put on it to make it grow good. Ah. Oh, okay. Great, great, great. Uh, real good questions. Very good questions. Uh, number one, rhubarb really likes our native soils, Joan, and that's uh, slightly acidic. When we put on wood ash, we we actually make the soil more basic. It's an alkaline agent, and the only time I recommend that any significant amount of wood ash be put on a garden is if you've taken a soil test, and the soil test indicates that you need lime. Then if it indicates you need uh, 20 pounds per 100 square feet, you can use a little less, maybe about 15 pounds of a quality wood ash. And again, we don't want any rubbish or anything else in there. We just want quality wood ash. Uh, and you can use that as a substitute. So I would not, and you get some other benefits. You get some phosphorus and potassium that comes from the ash. So there are benefits that come with it, but basically it's an alkaline liming agent. So you never want to apply it because otherwise you can move your pH or the acid-base ratio out of an ideal range, which is just about ideal for rhubarb right now. So what you will want to do in the spring of the year once again, you can uh, you can apply some kind of fertility right in the spring, just as it's beginning to break through the ground. And if you want to use a synthetic uh, fertilizer with some nitrogen in it, don't overapply, of course, because that's concentrated. Or if you want to use an organic material, or if you want to use 
uh, the garden green compost product that you want to work into the upper portion of the soil. But uh, fertility in the spring, and then don't over-harvest your rhubarb. Uh, I think the key to rhubarb is full sun, weed control. In other words, you want to plant in an area where you've got all the grasses out of there, and uh, good drainage, and then some spring fertility. And you, you put that combination together, and rhubarb grows extremely well. And then don't over-harvest after uh, July 4th. So those are the components really for successful rhubarb. Now, you're right about your asparagus. Uh, asparagus, right now, we've got the big ferns out there growing, so we really are storing carbohydrates uh, for next spring. So really the quality of your roots for next spring is really going to depend on the quality of the growth right now this time of year because it's, uh, it's building those roots for next spring. Um, I'm, I'm reluctant always to recommend any fertility uh, late in the fall, but I think... You might remember again for next year that you could add some fertility maybe right about when you're harvesting or a little bit after that. So with some water, get it watered in so we get the nitrogen down uh, and picked up by the roots. And uh, then that will encourage this uh, fern growth. Right now I'm assuming that your asparagus has got big bushy ferns out there, does it? Yeah. Yes, it's a doodle eater. Okay, I think that's wonderful. That's a good indication uh, we do want to encourage that, but uh, any fertility there should be done uh, earlier in the growing season. Okay. Good questions. Let's, uh, let's yep. keep, uh, stay away from the wood ash unless you really need it. And then uh, a little fertility in both those perennial plants, uh, early spring for the rhubarb and uh, right after harvest for the asparagus. Right. Thanks, Bob. Yep, thanks for the question. Appreciate that. Yeah, good question. Yeah, good. we got pumpkin, uh, we got Halloween coming up here in about a month or so. The pumpkin's doing okay. Yeah, the pumpkins are really uh, doing really quite nicely. You know, once again, I mentioned I uh, got off to kind of a slow start there, mm-hmm. but uh, we've got still got a lot of green plants, and uh, they're coloring up real nicely. And you'll notice a difference, and I must uh, indicate, you know, on our corners, we got a lot of pumpkins that come in from farther south. They, they sit out in the rain and whatnot. Take a look at some of the locally grown product. Uh, that's where the quality really is. And we, we've got some real nice deep oranges beginning to set up on the pumpkins, and there's so much variability. That squash pumpkin family has got a great deal of variability. And, you know, I think one of the interesting things is a lot of the uh, what we call stackers is a flat pumpkin, so you can stack them up three or four high. Uh, those have suddenly become very, very popular. We've got a lot of novelty pumpkins of all types, uh, different colors, uh, white certainly and uh, blues, but also a lot of knobby pumpkins, a lot of variability there. So we've got a couple called the goblin pumpkins, uh, warty goblins that are really uh, very intriguing and very interesting. So, right. they're ornamental. The question we get, Dave, is are they edible? They're all edible. Uh, <laughs> okay. You can make a pie. You can make a pie out of them. The difference between a pie pumpkin, basically, and a uh, an ornamental or a jack o' lantern pumpkin is the quality of the flesh and the sugar content. So, the pie pumpkins have been, been bred for real smooth flesh and high sugar contents, and the um, the ornamentals or jack o' lanterns, of course, have been bred for size and color and everything that looks good and the flesh itself while edible will typically be a little stringier so you may have to run it through a colander and the sugar contents are just a little bit lower but nonetheless you could certainly make a good apple or good hard to make an apple pie out of a pumpkin but you make a good pumpkin <laughs> pie go. certainly out of any of those uh they're all edible all right we got time for another question i think bob hi who's this hello this is mary go ahead mary hi mary Hi, I uh, 
I got a lot of I got a few nice pumpkins this year too. But anyway, Good. my question is, uh, what time of the year do you uh, cut uh, the dead branches off your apple trees? I got oodles of apples this year. Oh yeah, good apples, good. When you say dead branches, uh, did you have this problem, uh, fire blight this year, where the leaves began to flame off or crisp up or die back early? Is that what we're looking at no, here? No, no, it's just that some of the branches are dead on there and should be trimmed. And okay. Stuff. Yeah, dead, dead is dead. You can prune any time. So it's a nice, comfortable day. You can take them off. We really, any of the live material, though, if you're pruning for strength or pruning for fruit production, uh, you want to wait until at least uh, early winter. We want those to be good and dormant. So anything that's living tissue uh, will we'll prune in uh, winter or very, very early spring before the buds have broken. And anything that's dead, you can clean that up at any time. Just take it back to a, a living a living stem, a living bud, or a living uh, stem of one type or another, and clean those up right now. There's no problem with oh, these. Okay or with uh, rerouting the hormones, which is what we're typically doing when we prune with this material. Yeah. Okay, so thank you. Good I just question, wanted though. to know if I could start cutting some of them, because after a while you can't tell which ones are which after the apples are all picked. Ah, that's a good point. You, you really can't. So you know what's li- alive right now and what's dead? Uh, go ahead and take the dead material off for sure. Okay, thank you. Hey, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Bob, let's take another break. We'll be back to wrap things up here. It's the Bob Olin Show on KDAL. Well, Bob, if uh, your garden didn't produce like you wanted it to, or if you don't have a garden, you have a chance of getting some fresh produce by heading to the farmer's market. That'll be tomorrow and again on Saturday, right? Absolutely right. The original Duluth Farmer's Market, 14th Avenue East and 3rd Street. You're right. Wednesday's a great time to shop because Mm -hmm. nothing has been harvested since the previous Friday or Saturday, so there's a lot of product out there, and we are beginning to see pumpkins come in. We'll see a lot of other fall crops. Uh, certainly there's some corn and tomatoes and, and other crops, and actually uh, people are planted for the fall. I think we're seeing some a fall bean crop come in and other things, so there's plenty of good, fresh product out there right now, and uh, this is the original, original building. Rain or shine is Luth Farmer's Market, 14th Avenue East and 3rd Street. Wednesday is great time to shop through to 5. And then, of course, we have a wonderful time on Saturday, 8 until noon. Uh, we've worked very hard to keep it really family-friendly, so come on down. We're promoting uh, good health for our young people with a $2 token. They get a free of charge every time they come in that they can spend on produce. And then, uh, of course, we want uh, mom and dad and everyone else to be healthy as well. So lots of good product out there, lots of good activity, fun place, so lots of music on Saturdays, and uh, we just have a good time with it for sure. Well, lots of time, hopefully, to get those uh, tomatoes ripened up on the vine. Just make sure to keep an eye on the forecast in case it's going to get cold at night. You can cover them up. Well, that's right. We get the question on tomatoes. Should I prune back? Well, mm-hmm. prune back all the blossoms, prune back a little bit of foliage on top. It's real instructive this year because if you were very careful, you have a good quality plant out there. It hasn't been infected with a lot of disease. I'm seeing a lot of uh, green, what we call uh, green mature tomatoes, a lot that are uh, turned yellow and will definitely ripen up. Mm-hmm. The key is a nice, healthy plant. If you've done everything right, got plenty of season to go here and ripen those up. I still think we're going to have a great tom- uh, tomato harvest. We have a tomato fest coming up on October 20th. We'll give you more details on that, mm. but we are going to, we're going to be back on uh 
tomatoes and salsa because we really think that it's going to be a late harvest, but there will be a bountiful harvest of tomatoes this year, Dave. Sounds pretty good. Hey, Bob, uh, as usual, thank you very much, and we'll catch you again next week for another Bob Olin Show. Thank you, Dave, and our callers, it's always fun. Okay, thank you, Bob.